Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Isaiah 14 and verse number 12 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Revelations chapter 12 and verse 4. Pastor read it this past Wednesday during Bible study. It says, And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. You may be seated this morning. Lord bless you for standing. Thank you for putting up with me. Week number two. Uh, last week we covered uh, a little bit on the spiritual nature of our worship and music in the church. This week we're going to dive deeper into the spiritual nature of music. Uh, music is, if you can go to that next slide, Sister McGee, music is a vehicle by which people are moved from one emotion to another. Uh, you don't believe me? Try watching a movie or a television show without music. It gets pretty dull real quick. Uh, there's something about that music that sets the tone. Uh, I will tell you up front this morning, I'm going to do my absolute best to keep your interest today. Uh, today is not what I would call conventional teaching or preaching. Uh, it's, it's just more on the practical side. Uh, but hopefully you can glean something from it by the end of the day because uh, music is spiritual whether you're worshiping God or not. And that's, what, that's a fact that I want to help you establish today so that you can understand it perhaps better than maybe you did. Uh, try watching a sports game without the aid of music. If you go to a sports game, there's usually music somewhere interspersed throughout the entire game, whether it's audio, whether it's at a baseball park and they've got the organ blaring, Brother Terry, uh, or whether it's uh, some type of band that is playing especially at the local high school level. They're trying to pump you up, and they're trying to get you involved into what is going on. Music sets the tone for whatever activity you are participating in. Whether it's worship, or whether it's a date. Now, some of you are looking at me this morning like you got halos on your head. But there was a day... Maybe not yesterday, maybe not now, but there was a day where some of you, when you took your spouse or your uh, mate out on a date, that your music was not Amazing Grace. It sets the tone. That's why music has so many different labels. There's, There's jazz music, there's gospel music, there's Christian music, there's southern gospel music, there's rock and roll, there's hard rock, there's metal, there's funk, there's goth, there's choirs is a category in and of itself these days. Uh, There's all kinds of categories, and they help set the tone for whatever activity you're participating in. 
Lucifer was one of three archangels that are mentioned in Scripture. He was created by God just as all angels were, but his role was different than other angelic hosts. Lucifer was referred to as a covering angel. Just as the cherubim covered the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, Lucifer was established by God to be the angel of worship, one whose ministry surrounded the heart of heaven. He was created to dwell eternally in the throne room of heaven in the very presence of God. That's a pretty important place to be. So if we look at the very inception of Lucifer as a created being by God, he had a pretty important place. He had a pretty important role. Uh, it's, it's, it's in Ezekiel chapter 28, we see a few more things that are mentioned about him. It says in verse number 13, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and the gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. So it stands to reason this morning that all music and singing came from heaven. And all talent for music and singing came from heaven. Now for those of you that weren't here last week, uh, let me back up and just give you this little 10 second commercial. Whenever we refer to uh, singing in particular, uh, we covered several topics last week. We covered, and if you, if you weren't here, I, I advise you to listen to the podcast, not because I taught it, just because I think the content's good for you. But we talked about the educational benefits of singing. We talked about the health benefits of singing. But we talked about it in terms of when we use the word singing, it is representing all of us, not just the people who have the microphone. So if I'm going to refer to us specifically, I'll tell you that. Otherwise, any time I use the word singing, I'm talking about you. As a congregation, as a people, there's science, there's statistics to back up the benefits of congregational singing. And guess what? You don't even have to be able to sing well. You, you might say, as they often say, you might not be able to carry a tune in a bucket. I was walking through the factory floor a couple of days ago and I, I burst out in just a little glimpse of a song. There wasn't many people there, so I was just kind of being a little silly. And I looked at a, a lady that was working. I said, come on, you're supposed to join me. And she said, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. I said, that's all right, I'll carry the bucket for you. It didn't help. She still didn't help me any. But you, you don't have to be a singer. You don't have to even have talent in order to group sing. And in order to obtain both the physical, educational, mental, and spiritual benefits of singing, you don't have to have talent. All you have to do is show up. All you have to do is give whatever it is that you do have to God. And if you do that in worship, what you are doing is you are setting yourself up to hear the Word of God better. Because let me remind you, it's spiritual. We sing a song around here. It's an old song. It's an oldie but a goodie. Uh, it's been around for a number of years. And it's lift up your voice and sing for joy. Clap your hands. Make a joyful noise. 
blow the trumpet and shout, we're praising for the victory. There's another tagline to that chorus that says, the weapons we use are not bombs and guns. But worship is the way the battle is won. I I don't know about you this morning, but every time I come to the house of God, there's a battle that I'm fighting. I've got things that I'm facing outside of here in my natural life. I've got things as an employee, as an employer. I have things in my life as a man. I have things in my life as a husband. I have things in my life as a minister, as a singer, as a musician. There are things that I am facing and fighting out there the same as you. We could all say this morning, very very as a matter of fact, that we face things outside of here that we struggle with on a day-to-day basis. So when we come in here, there are battles that we are fighting that the Bible declares to us that they are not carnal. There is a spiritual element to those battles, and it is just this very simply this morning. Satan does not want you saved. He doesn't matter. He doesn't care for you coming to church. We need to understand that this morning. The devil, Lucifer, cast out of heaven, never referred to as Lucifer again. Lucifer was the good guy. Satan's the red guy. He doesn't care for you coming to church. He doesn't care for you attending. He doesn't care if you're here seven days a week. If as long as while you're here, you get nothing. That's objective number one for him, is that you attend church and church does not attend in you. That is agenda number one for your enemy. And the best way to accomplish that, the best way, I can give you the best way to failure this morning, the best way to get to a place where that you get nothing out of the presence of God is don't worship Him. I promise you it works. It's a natural. You don't have to do anything. And you can succeed in that. The best way to succeed in your walk with God starts with worship. And if I could challenge you this morning to to try this out, because when you hear the Word of God, it gets deep sometimes. Spiritually deep. Even if the content on the surface isn't, it gets spiritually deep sometimes. And sometimes it hits us in areas of our life that we're not really sure at the moment we really appreciate too much. Because coming to church isn't about being told how good you are. Now, on the flip side of that, it's not about being told how bad you are either. It's about riding the line of reality. And the Bible is, contrary to popular belief in 2014, the Bible is black and white. The life we live, the culture that we live in, might have a lot of gray areas because that's how people want it. But the Word of God is black and white. Maybe that's why we struggle so much when we come to church. It's because we're trying to live in a gray world with a black and white God. So if we, if we can develop an understanding this morning that when we come to church, if you want to get something out of the preaching and out of the teaching that will help your life, the first thing you need to do to set yourself up for success is worship God. Amen. Because when you worship God, again, we're talking about something that's not carnal. It's a carnal physical activity that has a spiritual result. 
when you worship God, something happens that opens up your understanding, that helps your life take in what you're hearing. Amen. So it's important today. It's, it's very important that we understand why is it that we're doing what we're doing. And what is the impact? It's more than just lip syncing to some words on the screen. Uh, I made a statement to you last week. I, I want to rehash it again just simply because I think it's valuable. If we get too tied up in just what we see on the screen and we lose track of why we're singing and what we're singing, then it's, the screen's of no use to us. The purpose of it is to be an aid for people that don't know the song. But if we're not careful, we will, those of us who know the song, we will get mesmerized by what we see and forget that what we're supposed to be doing. Pastor David Sizemore preached a message several years ago, and it was called, I believe, if I have the title correct, it was called The Third Part, in which he declared that when Lucifer was cast out of heaven, took with him a third of the angels of heaven, as we read in the book of Revelations, that the noise in heaven stopped. Now, this is just a quick summary of the sermon. There's a whole lot more to it than this. But that the noise of heaven, the singing stopped, the worship stopped, because the worshipers were gone. The singers were gone. And the, the, the main declaration he made in that sermon, if I remember correctly, Bishop, was that if there's any noise to be made in heaven, it has to come from us. Because the people that were there giving the sound are no longer there. So if we are not worshiping God, no wonder Jesus said, if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. Because he's seeking someone to give him the worth that he deserves. And that is the responsibility of the church. To give God praise. And we first do that, yes, we give God praise through our life, we give God praise through the decisions we make, the, the road that we walk, but you first do it through your worship. To worship God does not require anything from you other than effort. And you may not worship God the same way I do. So you don't have to get hung up this morning on am I worshiping God correctly? Because I don't know that there's any incorrect way to worship God. Some people clap. It's a pretty popular method. Some people lift their hands. It's an equally popular method declared to us by the Word of God. I've seen people run. You can run track. You can run for God. It's all right. I've seen people dance. If you can get you a partner and you can line dance or square dance or, or do the mashed potatoes on a dance floor, why can't you dance for God? It's a method. Some people cry. Some people laugh. That's perhaps one of the rarest forms of worship, but it happens. There is no incorrect way as long as who you're worshiping is God. Satan, as he has been known since he was cast out of heaven, uses music to lure people into a trap. How many times have you heard it said, Perhaps you've even said it yourself. I don't even listen to the words. I just like the beat. 
My dad was a school teacher for 31 years in high school. And I've heard him tell the story many times when they would be on break and his students would begin talking to him because they knew he was a pastor. They would begin inquiring and talking and opening up conversation to him. And uh, he, would, he, would add, he would talk to them about the music that they listened to because they would start the conversation. And they would tell him almost always, well, I don't listen to the words, I just like the beat. But they could stick their headphones on, a Walkman with a cassette tape. <laughs> yes, I'm old enough to know what that is. They'd stick their headphones on and they'd hit every word correctly. There were times that he would even draw to their attention well, how is it you don't know what the words are? You just spoke every one of them. And they would realize, oh, well, I guess I do. Maybe not even giving a whole lot of thought to the words that they were saying. But they were mesmerized by the tune, the beat, the singer, the band. And the words were inevitably getting logged into their brain. Say what you will this morning, it has a way of getting to you. It's easy, especially if you're a musician. It's easy to be walking through a store. And I'll find myself patting the shopping cart. And there's times I catch myself right whenever the words is getting ready to come out. Like, oh, where'd that come from? It's easy. Because there's a connection. We connect with music. We connect with the, the, the tone, the beat, the excitement, and the vibrancy of what's going on. Just look at the explosion of availability for music today. If you don't think music is important, listen to this. In an article published by CNN.com in April of 2013, they stated this. On April 28, 2003, Apple threw open the virtual doors to its iTunes store in music. All digital media has not been the same since. A song then, as of then, a song only costs 99 cents. A bargain next to an $18 CD. And iTunes-powered iPods with their signature white earbuds became a must-have in mobile accessories. It changed our culture. How many people, I know at, the, at my workplace... Uh, we, we against, uh, it was already there whenever I got there, and against my own better judgment at this point, we allow people to listen to music personally. So we've got a, a factory full of 40, 50 people, and almost, almost every one of them have earbuds in their ears. All day. Ten hours a day. That is a representative of the generation we live in. Young and old alike. I have more people on our factory floor that are over 50 than I do that's under. So it's not just resigned to young people. By 2010, iTunes was the largest music retailer on the planet. As of the writing of this article that was published by CNN over one year ago, there were 435 million registered iTunes users in 119 countries. And iTunes had just at that point served its 25 billion billionth song download. Apparently, the culture of today considers the subject of song to be fairly important. It's interwoven into the fabric of who we are. 
It matters not if you're an earbud person or not because when the beat starts, it gets your attention. You may not sing it, but you're, you're tapping your toes. How important it is for us to recognize this morning the necessity of music and singing in our worship. Then we must understand the importance of it ourselves. Amen. There is more to it than just waving our hands. And I'm, I'm not taking away from hand waving. It's important this morning. But there is a genuine spiritual connection that occurs when we worship God. But I want us to come away this morning and I want us to understand that there is a spiritual nature to music even when you're not in church. So I'm, I'm going to dive into some samples of some stuff this morning. And I do so ever carefully because I do not base my entire uh, teaching on this concept, but this does have merit. And we'll talk about it a little bit more after some of the examples. But there is something that is referred to as backmasking. It, uh, it is the use, it's what happens when you play a song in reverse. And it's what you hear. Now, this is a widely debated subject. I tell you that up front. But whether or not, and I'll tell you up front, that there are artists who do it on purpose. Okay? There are also artists that have admitted, I don't know how that got on there. So we're going we're to cover that here in just a second because, again, music is spiritual. So... We're going we're gonna to play a couple of samples, and uh, we're going to go, Sister McGee, we're going to go to video number one, and uh, we're going we're gonna to listen to it. This is going to tell you uh, what is being said. I believe it will tell you what's being said forward, and it will tell you what's being said backward, but the band here, this example is the band Queen, and the song example is Another One Bites the Dust. understand backwards playing music because it's very slurred. So allow me, if you will, and you can research this yourself, just be careful at the sources you use, but allow me to tell you this morning what is being said backwards to the phrase, another one bites the dust, is it's fun to smoke marijuana. Now, tell me this morning, is that something you want to pump into your brain? If the artist put it on there on purpose, why would I want to listen to an artist that would do that? We need to give proper thought to that. Now, I'm not here this morning telling you what bands to listen to and what bands not to. I want to empower you to be able to figure that out yourself. 
There's another band in 2001, the band Cradle of Filth. The name says plenty. But their song, Dinner at Deviant's Place, has an underlying tone of gibberish when played forward. When played backward, it is the Lord's Prayer that was being recited backwards for the recording. So when you play it forward, you don't even understand it. This is reciting things backwards, especially the Bible. Reciting things backwards is a common satanic worship practice. They consider it to be necessary for summoning demons. In 1981, Styx recorded the song Snowblind. There is a phrase in there that when played backwards, it's very clear. I did not bring a sample of it this morning because it takes about four minutes to get to it. But there is a, there is a statement in there where that they declare when it's played backwards, Satan, move through our voices. Now, it makes no difference to me this morning whether that was put on there on purpose or not on purpose. That's nothing that I want to listen to. But let me explain to you this morning that if, if there is such a spiritual nature of things in the dark world, how much more do you think there is a connection between us and heaven? When we gather to sing praises to the God that created everything. Let's go to video number two. words there are, oh, here's to my sweet Satan, the one whose little path would make me sad, whose power is Satan. He will give those with him 666. There was a little tool shed where he made us suffer sad Satan. The connection with the guitarist of the group Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page, goes back directly to his connection to the occult, even to the point that he purchased uh, satanic high priest Aleister Crowley's mansion lived in his house had people come in and bless it through cursings and the popular belief which he has never rejected is that he sold his soul to the devil in exchange for fame now 
One very important thing to note on this particular group, artist and song. The record company, Swan Song Records, issued a statement after all this went public in the 1980s. It said, our turntables only play in one direction, forward. Several years later, Paige weighed in to the Musician Magazine and said, To me it's very sad because Stairway to Heaven was written with the very best intention. As far as reversing tapes and putting messages on the end, that's not my idea of making music. So if both he and his record company are rejecting responsibility for those statements, how did they get there? Is it any wonder that this type of subliminal messaging would occur with someone whose life and music was consumed with the occult. It should not surprise us this morning that that type of, of, of information is there. Ladies and gentlemen, the point is this morning, you have to be careful what you listen to and what you feed into your life. That's the moral of what, what I'm teaching this morning. It's not benign. If it was benign... You would, uh, you would play it backwards and it would tell you to eat your Brussels sprouts. Or don't pour so much cheese on your broccoli. It would be a neutral message. But something that has that type of message, number one, if the artist puts it on there on purpose, that tells me what they're trying to do to me. And if the artist doesn't put it on there on purpose, that tells me what the devil's trying to do to me. So we need to be careful this morning. Again, this is a widely debated subject, but nonetheless, the facts are still there. In 1976, the Eagles, one more example, then we're going to move on to something a little more positive. But in 1976, the Eagles penned the song that they are so famous for, Hotel California. I want to draw your attention to a few things that are in the lyrics in a forward motion. Now, some of the things I'm about to explain to you are in and of themselves, the facts of them, are debated. But we need to also be careful how we interpret facts. Because we live in a world of secrets. Just because someone from a magazine interviews someone and says, is this true, and they say no, doesn't mean that that's the truth. But going forward, a couple of statements in the song had the warm smell of colitas rising up through the air. Colitas is a Spanish word for little leaves in reference to the leaves of burning marijuana. It says there were voices down the corridor. Then it says, welcome to Hotel California. Hotel California is known to be a location of a building that was first used for the first church of Satan. Plenty of room at Hotel California. Makes me think of the scripture where the Bible says, Behold how hell hath enlarged herself beyond measure. Room for everybody. Pre, another statement says, Captain, please bring me my wine. Wine, as we know, is symbolic of the Spirit of God. He said, We haven't had that spirit here since 1969. 1969 is the advertised date that the Church of Satan opened in this building. Now these are forward lyrics. Then it says, you just can't kill the beast. You can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. Now again, I ask you the question this morning. From a Christian perspective, 
in my walk with God, how is that going to help me? We must be careful what we're pumping into our life. Because I will assure you of this, what you listen to is what you will become. Let me give you an example, a personal example. When I was a boy in school, in uh, junior high, our star basketball player, he was the envy of every boy and the eye of every girl. He could run the mile four minutes or less. At that time, Brother Terry, if I got the mile done in 21 minutes, I was still sucking wind. He was a good one. He could do anything he set his mind to, sports-wise. Didn't matter what it was. Long story short, he got hooked on rock and roll music. And when I say hooked, he started emulating everything he listened to. He quit the basketball team because he refused to cut his hair. Grew his hair down to his waist. Quit listening in school, quit doing his studies, started getting in trouble, started trying to emulate and live the lifestyle of the artist he was living, listening to. I did a, a search a couple of years ago on him uh, on the internet because you can find out anything there. And I was saddened, Brother Freddie, to see the number of times that in the last decade he's been in and out of jail. In and out, in and out. In and out, in and out. Well, what's that got to do with music? It has to do with everything with the lifestyle you choose. There is a connection. I, I realize this isn't shouting material this morning, but if you'll, if you'll hear what I'm saying, this will help you shout. When we get to worshiping the one that is worthy. So, many people claim that these instances are coincidence. I leave the question to you. Does it really matter? Does, is that the point? Is it okay to listen to this just because it's a coincidence? Why would you want to do that? So we're going to move on, and we're going to move into some church samples. There was a belief years ago that uh, and it was one that many people adopted, especially in our, uh, let me say it this way, more mature generation. smile at that it's one that was very popular when I was growing up especially growing up as a young musician with family and church and the topic was the teaching was it was very popular even if people didn't declare it from the pulpit they, they lived this and that was if the music or singing was talented and good it was not anointed I'll just let that soak in for a second because uh, and maybe it's just the area that I grew up in. They're known for having their quirks and, and different things. And if mom and dad's listening to this podcast in the future, I love you anyway. So uh, maybe it was just there, but I was, I was exposed to a generation that if it, was, if it was good, then it wasn't of God. I'll give you an example. We, we had an elder gentleman in the church that I grew up in that uh, he really touted this, and he was very proud of it. He would sing a special every once in a while. And he had an old uh, tambourine, Bishop, one of those devil chasers. And he'd sit over on a pew, and he'd, he'd 
bounce his leg and smack that tambourine on his leg and he'd get to singing and if the music was, was cranking up really good and helping him out, he would purposefully get off beat to mess you up and whenever he was successful, I kid you not, whenever he was successful, man, he'd just take off shouting. Because he was convinced in his mind that if you weren't very good, then God was anointing you. Sounds crazy, don't it? It's, it's, it's ignorance. Really. And yes, before anybody says it, it was in Kentucky. But I've been gone from there a long time. Alright, so let's just clear the air on that one, alright? There, it, it was perception. I've been around people that whenever someone was really talented, their perception was skewed of them. You know, I often heard, I've often chalked it up to jealousy because I've often heard that uh, you can always point out the jealous person because they're the first one that talks. Maybe that's true, I don't know. But there's something that we need to do whenever we're in the house of God, and that's give God our best. My style of development growing up was influenced by many different styles of gospel and Christian music. As a child growing up in that environment, my parents' initial reaction to some was based solely on what their perception of guitar music was supposed to be. I'm going to use this just as an example because piano's piano, for the most part, organ's organ. Um, Drums may get a little bit more risky, but usually the riskiest instrument that I've ever seen in church is the guitar. I have often said around my family, and I may have said it publicly a time or two, but I've often said that if I could play the guitar, I'd be dangerous. Because I love music. And I know what it sounds like in my head. But growing up, there was this ideology, and I think there are some people who still have this philosophy, even if it's not openly discussed, is that if the guitar is anything other than strumming, then it doesn't need to be done in church. Okay? I'm teaching, okay? I'm not trying to criticize. I just want to teach. I want to lead us somewhere. I perceive that this mentality still exists in the church today. That if it's good or if we showcase any type of music in any way, that people start getting agitated or concerned or frustrated. If you're not sure you agree this morning, let us start playing something you don't recognize or a style that you may not like and then answer the question. Because your, your mark of disagreement isn't whenever we agree, it's when we disagree. So we need to be very careful not to fall into a trap that we play and that what we play and what we sing is okay if it's the style I like. It is impossible to hit the style that every one of you like. 
If we were to poll this congregation this morning, there were some of you that you like it old. Some of you like it new. Some of you like it southern. Some of you don't. The reason why we don't poll it because there is no answer. So we try to hit all of them at some time. That's why we try to find a balance. We, we throw in hymnals here and there and older songs here and there. Why? Because we don't want to lose track of where we've come from. Those songs have meaning. And by singing new songs, we're not trying to replace the past. We're giving ourselves more options to be a culturally diverse worship experience. So it's, it's a trap that we need to be careful not to fall into that if it's not your style, you're not going to worship. That's an easy trap to fall into. Especially if the music's just a little edgy. Because what we find ourselves doing is falling into judgment and saying, well, I don't like that song. That's okay. But that doesn't make it wrong. There's songs I don't like. There's songs I sing I don't like. <laughs> because we're trying to hit every... We're not going to hit everybody in the same service. But if you come to church enough, hopefully in a 30-day calendar period, we're, we're going to hit you somewhere. Okay? We need to be hitting styles of music you don't like because, number one, it will help you grow as a person by exposing you to more culture. It will help us ensure that we're catching everyone in their taste. There is no biblical prerequisite to worshiping God only if you like it. And if you're not worshiping God on songs you don't like and on music styles you don't like, then we have to reevaluate who we're worshiping to begin with. And I say that statement for the young and the old alike because it's easy for us younger generation to go a little bit more relaxed on the older songs. And it's easy for the more mature generation to go relaxed on the newer songs. It's a generation divide that we can bridge very easily by just making up our mind it don't matter who's singing, it don't matter who's playing, it doesn't matter what the sound is, I am here to worship God. That's the reason we play, that's the reason we sing, that's the reason you're here to sing, is to worship God. So I, I want to play a video clip. We're going to move to video number four. And uh, yes, and, and we're going to move to video number four, and I want to play a clip for you. It's a little bit older. I think you'll enjoy it. You can even worship while it's playing. On that resurrection morning when all the dead in Christ shall rise, I have a new body, praise the Lord, I have a new life. On the far right Sold side is Brother Sizemore. Raising the power, ready to live in paradise. I have a new body, this praise is the Lord, I have a new life. In YC. I'll have a new home and glory, glory, glory when the redeemed of God shall stand. There'll be no more sorrow, no more pain. There'll be no more strife. I'll be raised in the likeness of my like Savior, ready to live in paradise. I have a new body, praise the Lord. I have a new life. Oh, what a hallelujah morning when the last trump of God shall sound. I have a new body, praise the Lord. I have a new life. 
Sizemore looks good. The rain's all bursting, saints are shouting, heavenly beauty all around. I have a new body, praise the Lord. I have a new life. Here comes the bass. I have a new old glory, glory. When they redeem the There'll be no more sorrow, no more pain. There'll be no more strife. You might think Pat's enjoyed himself this morning. Good song. Good singing. That's stuff we can sink our teeth into and worship with. Nothing wrong with it. That falls into my category this morning of old style. Because it's been 20 years. Okay? Nothing wrong with it all. I can jump on board with that real quick. That's my roots. That's where I've come from, and I don't want to forget it. It's important. And if you're here this morning and you're under the age of 30, it's important for you too. Because it establishes a foundation for you to worship God. Let's go to video number five. I've, I've got to move on quickly or we're not going to get done. A little bit more modern here, but an old song. You can close your eyes this morning, lift your hands and just worship the Lord together. He's a great God today. Could you worship Him with me this morning? He's a great God. He's worth giving praise. We can, we can talk about the greatness of God together. Lyrics don't have to be spoken. I can close my eyes and listen to this and just feel the Holy Ghost. Wrap His arms around me and comfort me. Why? Because I know I'm in the presence of a really great God this morning. He's worshiping. That's worship. That's something we can jump on board with and worship with. Any of you men, that was at men's conference a couple years ago, Brother Carter was there. Rocked the house. Doing just this, because that's his ministry. This man travels full time doing this. He's a great God. How great thou art. Trying to push our envelope this morning. Push us to grow. Push us to understand. It's not always status quo. If the world can do that, why can't we? All he's doing is giving back to God the talent that
that he gave him to begin with. Oh, somebody help me this morning. All right, thank you. Now, we're going to move on to the next one, and we're going to close with this one, and then I'm going to pick up from where we leave off next week. Moral and point here this morning, and please tune in next week to continue this, but the moral and point is the world. We did not get our music from the world, and we're going to deep dive into this next week, but the world got their music from the church. I have several examples to give you of names you will recognize. The world got their music from the church. So we need not duck our head and think that anything is off limits. We're going to go on to video number six. We're going to close with this today. This takes us to a style of music that is bluesy. Okay? Now I want you to listen to it, but I also want you to listen to the words. Because this is no less of a worship song. Same guy, Brother Larry Carter. I was hurting and confused I was feeling all alone I was hurting and confused I was so down and out I thought I had nothing this part right here. Then one night at an altar, I found something new. Holy Ghost, you know what? It's still new today. One night at an altar, I found something new. Raised in church, backslid. Played in the blues bars for 10 years. Drug addict. Alcoholic. Came back to God in the late 80s. And when he found Jesus, he said he lost him. That's a message. with me this morning if you would please that's all right I want to save a little bit for next week I want to close with this this morning my wife and son and I had the privilege of participating in a music conference with him a couple of months ago my son played at that music conference 
And let me be a proud dad for a moment, okay? He played at that music conference whenever we sang. And he was asked specifically to play like he wanted to play. After the close of the conference, Brother Carter came to me and he said, if I had heard your son before the conference, I would have had him up there playing with me. That's from this church. It's a form of worship. I know he has plans of doing this song. And I want him to have the freedom and the liberty and worship to be able to enjoy the song. And what I'm challenging you with this morning is when such an event occurs, whether it's him or anybody else, but the Mike Wilson on keyboard, whoever, let's jump on board and worship. Because that's all they're doing is worshiping. The Bible tells us, I close with this, that whatever we do, whatever our hands find to do, do it with all your might. So I want to issue a challenge this morning. If you are here today and you do not traditionally listen to Christian music, gospel music of any type of label, I want to issue you a challenge today, a 30-day challenge. I want you to go 30 days and only listen to music that is Christian. 30-day challenge. If you are here this morning and you are a seasoned member of this church and a seasoned saint, I issue you a 30-day challenge today, starting tonight, to worship God double of how you did when you first got saved. And let's watch what God does in your life. You cannot underestimate worship. Let's lift our hands and praise him together right now as Pastor comes. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.